Welcome to Narrow Way to Broadway, a podcast for people of faith with a passion for the arts. Each episode is designed for the thespian and non-thespian and the believer and non-believer alike, navigating topics affecting the hearts, minds, and homes of artists everywhere. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello, Nairway to Broadway. This is Emma. Welcome to this episode of season four of our show. Um, Today, I could not be more excited to have Allison Bailey on the show. Allison has actually come very highly requested as one of our um, people that people want to see interviewed. I think probably a lot of our listeners have seen her on the National Tour of Wicked, which is so exciting. Um, So here's a little bit about Allison. Um, A proud Pensacola native, she found herself performing in her hometown and then after high school went to the Boston Conservatory. So if we have any BOCO alum or BOCO students listening, shout out to BOCO. Um, During that time, she performed at the New London Barn Playhouse and workshopped a proper place at the Goodspeed Opera House. Um, So once she got her BFA, she traded Fenway Park for Central Park and began living her dream in NYC. Um, And throughout the first few months, she worked to industry uh, readings of the new musical Little Did I Know and auditioned her way through the city. And now for over three and a half years, she's traveled the country as the Glinda understudy on the National Broadway Tour of Wicked. But now she has taken over the role formally leading the tour throughout North America. So if you've seen Wicked in the last couple months, You've, you may have seen Allison. Um, she's a proud member of Actors' Equity, and you can follow her on Instagram at Allison Bailey or her website, www.allison-bailey.com. Allison, we're so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be so fun. Um, I think it's fun because sometimes we have people who have been in maybe like smaller productions or more niche productions or working on something that is coming out in the future, but I mean everyone loves Wicked. And so it's just such a fun thing to be able to chat about. Um, oh my goodness. So, I'm so partial to it. <laughs> I'm sure. Which is actually a good thing because you've been doing the show for so long. Part of yes. me is like, do you just black out and like emerge from the bubble and then all of a sudden the show's over? Like I, I can't even imagine how many times you've done the show. No, I mean, it's crazy. You know, last night actually um, was my six year anniversary with the show. Um, oh, so I have done gosh. this show many, many times. Um, wow. <laughs> but I think, honestly, I think I, I've lost count, but I think it's almost like 1,700 shows. Mm. Um, but it's still so much fun. It's different every night. I know that sounds so cliche, but it really is. That's incredible. Oh, wow. Okay, well, we're going to definitely get into the Wicked conversation. First, I want to talk about some rapid-fire moments. This is fun because you've been so many places with the show. So I'm going to ask you three rapid-fire questions. Hopefully, you will know the answers. Okay. Okay. Number one, what is your favorite local coffee shop from the road? Oh, my goodness. This is hard. Okay. I love La La Land Cafe in Dallas. I know they have them in California, too, but that was my favorite in Dallas. I love the store. It's in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Best Mm -hmm. matcha latte I've ever had, I think. Um, so those are some two favorites. Right now, Tempest Coffee is phenomenal in Appleton, Wisconsin. So okay. that's a big shout out there. Love it. What was it called again? Tempest? Tempest. Okay. And are you gauging the answer by like vibe, the actual quality of the drinks? What what kind of makes it the best experience for you? It's a full circle experience. It's mm. it's honestly, it's the coffee, it's the matcha, making sure it's good quality there. But then mm-hmm. it's also the experience in being inside the coffee shop. You know, you got to have it all. Yeah. 
It's got to right. be a triple threat here. Yeah, totally. I love it. Okay. <laughs> and then two, what's the bet? This is a hard question too, but what's the best overall food city you've been to? Oh, Clearly I was hungry when I made this because I'm like only asking about food and, and <laughs> beverages. No, you're a girl at this point. <laughs> Honestly, no, no, no. I'm all about it. You know, believe it or not, Cincinnati has a really good food scene. So does Nashville. Oh my gosh. The food and the breakfast in Nashville is phenomenal. Um, oh. Biscuit Love, Pancake Pantry. Um, mm. Just unbelievable breakfast food. Um, yeah. LA is really good too. I mean, LA is a huge city. So to be right. fair, they have a lot of options there. But right. I love me some food. Yum. Oh, good. Okay. And you've gotten to try so much. I mean, 1,700, six years on the show. Like you've definitely gotten to eat some good American food for sure. I definitely have made my way around the food locations. I'm not going to lie. Love it. I love that. <laughs> okay. And then my last question for you is, this is actually so funny because I, I can tell you're from the South. So now my my Southern accent, my Southern roots oh, no. are going to come out. <laughs> and our listeners are going to be like, why is she talking like that? Because I don't normally uh, – it's going to be like talking to my friends back home, which yeah. is home for me. So I appreciate that. I um, that. Okay. My last question. A place where you had a like a place where you had a really good show where you just remember walking away and being like, okay, that was a really good show. Oh gosh, you know, that's hard to really pinpoint. Sure. Um, I I would say though, honestly, well, we reopened in Dallas in August of this year. Mm -hmm. That probably was my most like special show. Mm -hmm. Um, and I felt like I did my absolute best. I don't know if it's just because coming out of 16 months and we hadn't been on stage <laughs> in front of mm -hmm. a live audience in forever. Right. That's probably August 3rd is probably my favorite show in Dallas, Texas. I had my family there. I had my agent there. Um, right. we had the whole creative team. So like 12 year old Allison was fangirling. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think that probably was my favorite show. Yeah. Amazing. That's awesome. Okay, so I think one thing, and this is just something I selfishly want to know because, you know, we're in the same industry, but I think one thing that I would love for you to chat about a little bit is, you know, your, no pun intended, like your bubble basically of your life has been pretty much like ever changing, like planes, trains, automobiles, hotels, like all that kind of stuff. So and this, this might seem like an obvious question to ask you, but I, I really do want to know is like, what does it look like for you to get into a routine of like spending time with the Lord and and growing in your faith on tour? Like I have a lot of friends who coming out of the pandemic are actually getting ready to go on tour or, or who are on tour for the first time or who are like on cruise ships, things that are very transient for the first time. And I think a lot of them have been like, I just don't know how to like not associate my routine with the Lord with a specific place. So I would love for you to just maybe speak on that a little bit. What did that look like for you to adjust to that? And then maybe some like tangible, practical advice for our friends who are just starting this journey. Yes. It's, I'm not going to lie. Um, it's difficult sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. I think the thing is, is that I grew up in a Christian home. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we went to church every Sunday. And so that was something I did with my family. And that was, it was an easy, obvious choice. But then when I went to school in Boston, I honestly, like, that's the first time in my life that it became like, oh, this is my choice to actually mm -hmm. go to church and make a routine. Um, and so that, you know, going to college kind of really set me up for that. So I'm really thankful for that because now that I'm on the road, I kind of have my own little routine of how to do it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it changes. You know, I, I do try to go to a local church in each city mm-hmm. that I'm in. Um, that sometimes becomes very difficult when we have like one o'clock matinees, though. Right. Um, right. And so I always podcast my church from home, which is Hillcrest mm-hmm. Baptist. It's in my hometown in Pensacola. So mm-hmm. I always know that my family's there. <laughs> so I'm mm-hmm. almost listening to the exact same service they are. Um, mm-hmm. And so that really just roots me in my faith just because I know that I'm also connecting with my family in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something I do. I also have um, the Bible app. I don't know if everybody in the world has that too. <laughs> um, right. You know, it, it's so accessible, which is so wonderful. But I try to mm-hmm. have a reading plan on there that kind of keeps me on schedule. Um, and I try yeah. to start my day that way and end my day that way. Whether that just yeah. be just the verse of the day or the guided prayer or, you know, that really has been trying to set me up for that. So I try to go to a church in each city, but if I can, I always at least podcast the service in my hometown. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so I think those are like on paper, obviously, like the things that believers are doing. You know, you're like trying sure. to get to church. You're you're on your Bible app. You're trying to engage with the word. Do you feel like – what has it looked like for you to have the actual word and like – the body of Christ in in the grander sense, like be associated with home. Because I think a lot of people, once their routine is shaken up, like once they don't have that like certain chair they sit in to do their Bible study yeah. or like the certain coffee shop or something like that, like I think sometimes we realize like, oh, wait, I think maybe – my ability to be consistent with this actually was way more about the context in which I was doing it in than the actual act of doing it. So what, I mean, maybe even at the very front of the tour, did it look different for you than maybe it looks now, like all this time into it or has it remained pretty consistent? You know, yeah, it is. You know, you kind of have to figure that out because, you know, we move in different locations. So you're either staying Mm -hmm. in a hotel, you're staying in an Airbnb or, you know, you figure out if you like to do your quiet time in a coffee shop, you know, mm-hmm. so if you figure out what works for you, for me, it always works for just, honestly, I sit in my bed, <laughs> I wake mm-hmm. up, I pick up my phone and my Bible, and that's mm-hmm. where I start. So for mm-hmm. me, it's, I think it's the consistency of just finding your place, even though your place changes, mm-hmm. it's finding that time. Um, yeah. For me, it's just that I have to do it first thing in the morning. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I feel like my day is just kind of wonky. Um, so I think it more so is not necessarily location wise. I think I've had to figure it out that it's more time. Yeah. Wise. Yeah, for sure. That makes a lot of sense. So it's like a, cause you're, you know, there's always going to be 24 hours in a day. So it's like, okay, if I can, even if I'm in Timbuktu or I'm in, you know, Jersey or, you know, Pensacola, I know that when I wake up my hand, even without telling myself to, is going to like reach for my Bible or reach for my app. Like, getting allowing that to be routine instead of all of the other things that are ever shifting and changing absolutely absolutely that makes sense that makes sense and no matter where I am I'm gonna have a bed (laughs) right Right. you know so I think that's how you find a little bit of consistency yeah that's true like associating your bed and your and sleep with the word I think that's really good especially that probably makes for really good rest too yeah it does it does it kind of puts it you know my brain at my um at ease at night mm-hmm. sometimes too mm-hmm. so like if I know that I'm starting my day in the word and I'm ending my day in the word it really just keeps mm-hmm. me focused because sometimes my mind is going 90 miles an hour when I go to sleep mm-hmm. at night <laughs> yeah, you know right. and I'm mm-hmm. so guilty of just you know just mindlessly scrolling on my phone and so if I yeah. know that I'm ending my day though with my reading plan or on yeah. the bible app I know that I've at least like shut all of that down for a little bit yeah 
Right. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I like that. I think, yeah, so I think for any of our listeners who are getting ready to go on tour, who are on tour, who maybe allow, you know, listening to Narrowway to Broadway to become a part of your teen, be encouraged that like Allison has been doing this for a long time. Like she's been on tour a long time and she's still like getting ready, like learning what it looks like to have this be a part of her routine. So know that it it takes some time um, and there's a lot of like newness and there's a lot of adjusting that happens to being on tour. So know that you are not alone. Yeah. For sure. Um, Okay. Now we're going to talk about Wicked, which is just so fun. So I know you do this literally all day, every day. I've watched some interviews with you. um, And I know that this is, you know, this is truly your life. So, okay. Hopefully this will provide some depth of conversation that maybe you haven't entertained before. You probably have because the show has been, you know, your world. But I read this article that was published in the Arkansas Times by uh, she. The writer was named Stephanie Smittle, um, and she said this quote about the show, which I actually was like, "Whoa, I really never thought of it like that before." And I've seen Wicked seven times, so she says um, it's deliciously dark yet suitable for young eyes and ears, and manages to tackle big ideas like herd mentality, otherization, and the subjectivity of history, and does so without condescension. And I was like, oh, wow. Whoa. You know, what's interesting is like, I just think it's a show about the prequel to The Wizard of Oz. Like, sure, I think about sure. that, <laughs> you know, and you think of, it's so it's so big and magnificent and the costumes and the set and the songs, like everything about it is like top notch. But it actually does address some themes that like I wouldn't even think to. I wouldn't I would never say like Wicked is about the subjectivity of history. <laughs> I would be no, like No, 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 no. That's not the you first know? thing you go for. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, I think I'd love to know like what in your experience in in being in proximity to that show for so long, what are some things that like you've come to realize over time that the show addresses or is about or what have you learned from the show and and you know, performing in this role for so long um that the show itself and the content of the show and the writing of the show has taught you? Oh gosh. I mean, honestly, it's, it's so fun to even come back 16 months later because where I was pre pandemic is so different than what I am now. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's so interesting what resonates when we have, you know, different fans that are so sweet that'll message us or send letters or things like that. And they'll say, you know, like the show means so much to me because like I've been bullied in the past or Mm -hmm. I felt isolated and alone. I think everyone at some point in their life has felt isolated. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we deal with bullying, not necessarily, it's not like your cliche, like someone puts you in a locker at school, (laughs) you know, it's now we have the age of social media and there's so much bullying there. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, not judging a book by its cover, that has Mm -hmm. become so much clearer to me. Um, Also the growth of Glinda herself. Um, Mm -hmm. There's so many lessons. I think that I love her character arc. I think she learned so many lessons along the way and how she grows. And that's just become more apparent to me, I think, the older I get. <laughs> just yeah. because, you know, you realize you don't miss, you know, I love Thank Goodness. I love, mm-hmm. love, love, love the song Thank Goodness. Because, you know, there's so much of things that you thought you wanted. <laughs> and mm-hmm. maybe not necessarily once they play out, that's maybe not a, the, what was best for you. Right. Um, you know, and so I, I, I think that there's just so much to Wicked that there's so much depth. And instead of just like the two witches and right. – <laughs> Um, the jeweled shoes. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's so true. And it also like poses this question. I mean, she's called Glinda the Good. Like she's supposed to act as 
on on the cover of it on on paper yeah they you know the whole thing is that these two women are so different and if we're calling glinda the good i think it's like begs the question well what is goodness what is yes. good and i yes. think that we have i mean i think we have to ask ourselves that not only in regards to the show but in regards to like life and i think that what's so beautiful about the arc of both glinda and alphaba is that you realize that they're both actually not good and they're both not evil either like they're just sure. they're just human and so i think or i guess they're not human they're witches but i think what's <laughs> beautiful about it is like at the very beginning you know we see this actual picture of glinda coming down on a bubble and this whole town is just like oh my goodness like it's lovely to see me isn't it you know yeah. and so but then i think she comes to realize like oh i'm not i'm not that good like i'm not that nice um yeah and my choices do affect other people so in what ways like i mean i don't even know if this is too deep of a question to ask but i, I do think that god can do this is like in what ways have you seen yourself in glinda and and what ways have like you've been allowed to grow and change as a result of like being her every night for the last, you know, six years or so. Oh goodness. I mean, I think, you know, I definitely see myself in Glinda because I think the thing about Glinda the good is that she tries to see the good. Mm -hmm. Um, I think she does. I think she genuinely tries, Mm -hmm. um, but she's flawed. Um, right. And you know, um, I think maybe that's the thing that I see with myself is that, you know, she start. We start off and we see her very shallow. I was never like a cheerleader in school. I was a book nerd, <laughs> so mm-hmm. I can't. I can't necessarily identify with her as being the popular child because <laughs> right. I definitely was not by any yeah. means. Um, but you know, I think when the longer it goes, she realizes like the value of like true friendship, and I think yeah. those are some things that I've learned, especially like going through college and going through like tour. You learn. Yeah you know, what friendships actually matter and what last. And sometimes it's it's an unexpected friendship. You know, you think that you're not going to necessarily line up with this person. And then when you get to know them, not Mm -hmm. at such a shallow level, you realize that your values match. And those are the people that stay. Um, I flipping love Catherine Charlebois. She's one of my dearest friends. Um, Mm -hmm. And Catherine's a few years older than me. And we met each other at two different parts of our life. And somehow it is just the perfect match of friendship just because I think she brings so much wisdom as a life Mm. experience to Mm. our friendship. And I've learned so much from her. So um, I think those are some things that I kind of have identified with Glinda is just that the level of friendship and not judging a book by its cover. Yeah, that's so true. Well, and it's interesting, too, because the I mean, the show poses a lot of again, like it's good art because on the surface, perhaps it's one thing. And even the show, you can't really judge it by its cover because as we see, it it addresses all these underlying things that society is dealing with. But then on the cover, it's the show about the prequel of The Wizard of Oz that has these amazing dance numbers and beautiful singing in it. So it's like, that's what, that's what even the show in its thematic in its like thematic renderings poses the question that the show is asking in and of itself. So that kind of sent me into an existential crisis, but I think that that's probably what like <laughs> is good art. Well, I'm going to let you 
kind of dive into this, but I know that um, like your your 2020, like your year held some pretty um, different things for you um, and yes. d- definitely wasn't the easiest year um, in different ways than perhaps it was for other people. So I'd love for you to kind of chat about that and tell us about how all that transpired and, and what the Lord kind of was doing in your life then. Well, it's so crazy. So I started my contract as Glinda in September of 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, I had only been gone from the show for six weeks as an understudy. And um, so I came back and honestly, like the rest of the year was fantastic. I loved my 2019 (laughs) and I honestly thought that 2020, that was just going to be carried into that. Um, Mm -hmm. But in January, I went home for a routine um, OBGYN check and Mm -hmm. I was seeing a nurse practitioner who I had never seen before because, you know, when you're on tour, you come home and you try to get an appointment and you just see whoever you can see (laughs) just to be able to, you know, you get your routine um, check-ins, you know, for Mm -hmm. health. And, um, she noticed I had a thyroid nodule and I thought she was nuts. Cause I was like, Oh lady, like I touch myself here all the time with my throat. <laughs> like I'm a right. singer. This is what I do. Um, and so she said, no, 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 you have a thyroid nodule. You need to go get that checked. So long story short, um, I had an ultrasound and in Columbia, that was the next city that I was going to be Columbia, South Carolina. Mm. And, um, I had an ultrasound. They said, check it in six months. Everything looks good. But my mom's a nurse, and she didn't really feel comfortable with that. She was just like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't feel comfortable. You're just like waiting six months just to kind of ride this out. Mm-hmm. So she said, when your next city is in Baltimore, there's Johns Hopkins. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a world-renowned hospital. And she said, just go see the doctor there and see what they say. So yeah. I did. So now we're talking. This is about March 2020, very beginning of March. Mm-hmm. And, um, he was so great and, um, he did his own ultrasound and he was like, um, I think we need to biopsy this. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have time for this. Like, right. it's so like invasive, you know, and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm doing a show. I'm trying to sing, right. <laughs> you know, how is this biopsy going to affect my voice? You know, all sorts of things. But anyways, long story short, the Lord was good. Um, and you know, did all the shows, made it through, had the biopsy. And he said, I think you're going to be just fine. I just wanted to do this for, you know, protocol. And he's like, I'll call you and let you know what your results are. So by this time we're now in Madison, Wisconsin, Wednesday, Mm -hmm. we're opening, we have sound check. And he calls me right before sound check to tell me that I had cancer. So I had thyroid cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, so I didn't really know where that was going to lead me. I didn't know if, there's just, there's a million questions when you hear that you're like, okay, is it just located in my thyroid, you know, between the two lobes or is, has it spread? Is it in my lymph nodes? You know, there's just a million questions and Mm -hmm. I just, am in a brand new city. It's our first day. So, um, there's, you know, that was kind of, I'm not going to lie, a really terrifying time. Um, so long story short, did our show Wednesday, we had two shows Thursday And then we get the call that Friday we are shutting down. Um, Mm. So we're thinking we're going to be shut down for maybe, I don't know, we have been told two weeks. And everybody would see each other in Michigan at our next stop. And, um, and of course, you know, that led to 16 months. (laughs) Well, um, we closed down on that Friday. And by the next Friday, I had surgery. And Mm. um, it was, honestly, the time was a godsend. It was an absolute godsend because I couldn't have, I I didn't miss a day of work um, for my thyroid cancer at all. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, my doctor said that I would be ready to go in two weeks. 
I honestly needed nine months to heal. You know, wow. your voice, your voice isn't, it's an instrument and it's a muscle. It's kind of like telling a marathon runner if they have knee surgery, mm. you know, you can't run in two weeks. <laughs> right. um, it's just, it's just not possible. So yeah. the time gave me time to heal and grow. And um, I'm just, I'm so thankful that, you know, it was such a hard time, but it was such a, a time that was truly, it was a godsend that it yeah. worked out in that way. Yeah. Wow. That is crazy. I actually have chills listening to the timing of all of that. It's so strange because I, I can't help but feel like obviously COVID is horrible and there are so many people like losing their lives and losing their families and their livelihoods because of it. Um, But it's just so interesting. And I think this speaks to like the mystery with which God works is like, his timing is good and his timing is perfect. And for you to not have to miss a day and, and to actually be afforded the time, because who's to say, I mean, I don't know if you're like me, but if I were to have someone tell me like, in order to be fully healed from this, you're going to not be able to sing for nine months. I'd be like, no, (laughs) I would probably, you know, put yourself in harm's way. Um, Yes. And I mean, I was sitting there in my dressing room and I was talking to our company manager. Um, He's the sweetest. His name's Quinn. Um, Mm -hmm. Steve Quinn. Um, but yeah, I was just like, I'm on my dream contract. Like, this is yeah. all I've wanted. You know, my entire life was to play Glenda and, yeah. you know, I'm finally here. <laughs> and right. I just, the timing of it was just devastating. It was just right. devastating to know that I was like, wh- when am I going to have to leave for surgery? You know, like yeah. how much time do I have? You know, or will they even ask me back after, you know, there were just a million yeah. different questions and, you know, the Lord worked for me <laughs> because, right. it, you know, it was, you know, you, you always say like the Lord's plans are so much better than yours, but so much better than mine because I would have never comprehended that literally the world would shut down right. um, at that right. time. Um, right. Yeah. So, no, I mean, it's a, it's a devastating time. Please don't get me wrong because by the time I did heal, girl, I was so ready to go back to work. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I was devastated to be out of work, but the time to heal was such a blessing. Yeah, for sure. What did so what did those like 16 months between cuz it kind of happened, I mean it did happen simultaneously. What did the time between your diagnosis and diving back into tour? Yeah. What did that time like hold for you? Both, you know, spiritually, physically, I'm sure you had to do like some recon like with PT and stuff like that. What did what did that time hold for you? Gosh, I when I look back at the 16 months like when I was in the middle of it, it was really hard um, just because I think you lose a lot of – you feel like a lot of your identity is in what you do. You know, yeah. you, you perform every day. You tour every day. I've been on the road at that time for five years, and then it mm-hmm. comes to a halt. You know, there's no more yeah. traveling. There's, um, there's no more performing. There's none of that. So, mm-hmm. you know, for the first, like, six to nine months, yes, I was PT reconning, and I was so grateful to not be performing at that time. Yeah. But once we got to that point, I was so ready to go back. I missed it. I, mi- I you know, yeah. you miss an audience. You miss so much. I just missed working. I missed that part of my life. So, and then you have to assess. You're like, okay, well, my identity is no longer in performing because that's not what I can do. So what mm-hmm. else does Allison like to do? Or, you know, um, yeah. and a lot of that was just kind of reassessing my life and spending time with my family. Um, I hadn't spent that much time at home in 10 years. Um, wow. since I left for college when I was 18, 
Right. You know, I wasn't home that long. So it, yeah. it was a blessing to be able to spend time with my grandpa who lives four doors down um, and see my family. My brother graduated um, pharmacy school during the time. So like, you know, he was ushered into the pharmaceutical world at such a time that was needed, you know, right. with, with COVID. Um, so it, a lot of that, it, it was such a mixed time. I would, it was a really, really hard time. It was devastating for me just because I wasn't working. But then mm-hmm. at the same time, it really was a shift in my perspective in life to know that, right. you know, okay, focus on what really matters. And right now that's your yeah. family and what you have. And instead of focusing on the lack of what you don't. Yeah. 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 That's so true. I mean, I think, and I kind of want to go back to something you said um, at the beginning of that was just like a lot of us try to find our identity in what we do, um, yeah. which is interesting because I think there's a lot to be said about that in the show Wicked. Um, but it, is that something that you feel like you've learned like the hard way? Like was your time have you had, I mean, I'm sure you have had seasons, but I just didn't know if that was something that you felt um, like you've experienced yourself or maybe you experienced it in college or mostly in high school or growing up in well, the theater industry. I mean, the whole thing is like what you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the thing is that, you know, with theater, you know, I, it's always weird. I've always tried to explain it to people because like um, when you play like, for instance, like a baseball player, you play mm-hmm. baseball, it's your hobby. And then some people pursue it as a career. And so, you know, you get Mm -hmm. drafted and then you go all the way through. And some people go to college, but their major is not baseball. You know, their major is maybe in business or um, anthropology. (laughs) You know, it's, it's just like any kind of just like, you know, it's any other interest. With theater, it was my life. It was my hobby. It was also my major. Mm -hmm. Um, It it was just everything that I did. So when Mm -hmm. then, you know, you pursue your career and I did it for five years. And then when it comes to just an overarching halt, Mm -hmm. you know, you're like, what do I do? (laughs) Um, So, you know, I try not to say that it's necessarily our identity, but when you travel for work and that becomes your whole life, it was definitely shocking to be like, oh gosh, what, what else do I do? (laughs) Right. You know, what did you learn about yourself? Like specifically, I think sometimes we need to separate ourselves from it, um, which yes. is why like always in audition rooms, they're like, what else do you like to do? And all of a sudden everyone forgets like what they yes. like to do outside <laughs> of theater. And it's like, wait, um, I, I don't know. Like I had my 16 bars prepared. Like I didn't know you were going to ask me about my life, Yes, yes. <laughs> which is so weird. Um, so, I mean, I guess like having that, oper- you know, having the tour and having the ability to really sing and do what has been making up so much of your life for so long, what are things that you realized you enjoyed or what are things you realized you wanted or perhaps did your life trajectory change at all um, or your desire for life trajectory? Like what what did that time around family and friends and um, away from kind of this all-consuming thing, what did that teach you about yourself? Yeah, you know, it was really fun because like, you know, for the first six months I was healing um, mm-hmm. and then – I just couldn't sit at home anymore. I I wanted to do something. And so it was getting to the time around the holidays with Thanksgiving and Christmas and everything. And this, um, one of my favorite little boutique, like home decor stores, it's like a, it's like a home decor store, but also a florist shop. Like all of my like recitals that my flowers came from this little store called Celebrations. And uh, we walked in 
And, you know, they asked me, oh, you're still in town? I'm like, oh, yeah, peeps, I'm here. <laughs> and they said, would you want to work here? And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> and, you know, I went home and I thought about it for two seconds. And I said, well, why not? You know, yeah. uh, why not actually, you know, meet different people and um, figure out if you have a different interest in something. And I ran their social media for about six months. Um, wow. You know, I, I learned how to, like, you know, just – Oh, they have a Christmas house, so I learned how to, like, decorate. We, you know, we would decorate, yeah. like, different trees and different businesses in downtown Pensacola. Yeah. Um, I just met a lot of precious people who I still are in mm. contact with. And um, I had a lot of fun. And I, I yeah. think, you know, those are just some things that I didn't really realize. And they're skills that I can take into now in life, you know. Right. Um, one day I want to be a mama <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and I want to decorate my own house. And so, yeah. you know, I've, I'm grateful for that time that I just got to spend, you know, with interior decorating and everything. So yeah. um, that's how I spent, you know, a good portion of that time. Yeah. Wait, that's so fun. It was really fun. It was really, I love really that you got fun. to do that. Yeah, that and, is, you know, it was neat, sweet. too, because I was posting on their social media page every day, and it was, there was no pressure because it wasn't me. No one knew it right. was me, you know? It was yeah. just – it was the store itself that was posting holiday cheer, <laughs> right. and right. I loved every second of that. Yeah. I think that's one thing that I've had to really, like, learn how to process is this um, – I feel like it's this kind of, like, at-war effect that we have as actors, like – we have to remember that as believers, like our life is not about us. Like this, yeah. this is a not our home. This is not about us. Our efforts towards like kingdom building, maybe they happen to be in theater, maybe they happen to be in sports or interior design or whatever. But it's like ultimately, it's not about me. But then it's yes. hard because at the same time, it's all about you. It's like okay, I have to curate my brand and I have to build my my presence here and my, my whole career depends on my ability to show up. And so I think yeah. that learning, having a job where it's like, actually, you don't really matter that much. is kind of nice. It was amazing. And, you know, it honestly, it taught me a lot um, in mm. so many ways. Cause you know, I, I would hate to admit it, but pre-pandemic, like I'm a people pleaser. I mm. love, you know, to make people happy. I want everybody mm. happy and in my corner. Mm-hmm. It just, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And um, I don't want to necessarily say I don't care. I do care what people think, but I've learned mm-hmm. that it, it, I can't control it. And, yeah. um, and that's been so eye-opening for me because at the end of the day, when I put my head on the pillow, I kind of have to live with myself and go to sleep at night. And, yeah. um, and so that's, that, I think, has taught me so much, just being social for somebody else for six months, is that realizing, yeah. okay, it's really not that deep. <laughs> right. And even though like yours is about you, you can't necessarily worry about every single thing, you know? Yeah. So it was, it was really eye opening for me. That's so true. Wow. I'm, I'm so glad you got to do that. I love how that the Lord allows, allowed your life to have this like me too. random little intermission. That's so fun. Yes. It was that. humbling. It was humbling just to be like, I'm yeah. just a normal person. doing just a normal job. And I loved every yeah. second of it. Well, and it's also like one of those things where within the theater sphere, like doing a, you know, an equity Broadway national tour, you're like royalty. It's like I and like you said, my whole life has been working towards playing Glinda and like, you know, you get to do these stage doors and you get to do these interviews and you get to do things where you are on stage in front of people 
for your job and to have someone like walk into this Christmas shop and they have no idea who you are. That's just good for us to learn how to adjust to. Have no idea who I am, but more so don't even care. (laughs) You know, they're like, they don't even know who, like even the show, you know? And it was just, it was kind of refreshing just to be like, okay, you know, you're you're just a normal person, girlfriend. (laughs) Yeah. That's so good. I love that. Um, Okay, I think this has gone by so quickly, but I think before we wrap up, I would love to just ask you, we love asking this question because yes. I feel like I've learned so much from just like your your rhythm and your routines on tour. And then with thyroid cancer, I mean, the, the healing that got to take place both like, you know, spiritually and yeah. physically and for you to really be ready to go back out on tour. So I would love to know like, what is something that the Lord is teaching you right now as you're you know, learning and touring um, in the present time? Oh, my goodness. For me, the biggest reminder in my life right now is that I cannot control everything, and Mm -hmm. I try to control every piece of my life. You know, I want to play out what's going to happen in the next two months. I want to plan out what's going to happen in the next year. Um, You know, in full honesty, like, you know, I'm so ready to get married and have kids and start that part of my life, you know, um, I'm so, you know, I'm so looking forward to that. And that has not played out yet for me. Um, and that's not, you know, and I'm having to realize that, and I look back at how God's plan though has been so much better than mine. And I can't imagine how my life would have been any different and how I would have been more happy, you know? Right. So um, I'm having to realize that God's gotten me all the way to this point (laughs) and he's going to get me through it again. (laughs) And, um, you know, it's so funny is that, you know, we go through so many different stages in our lives that are so difficult and trials. And then once you're through it, then there's always something else that you're like, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. And it's like, no, no, (laughs) you know, it it is good. Um, I love that song by Lauren Elena um, Mm. called Getting Good. And it's basically talking about how, you know, once you get married and then when, when you are married, then there's still a hole, you know, or, right, right. you know, once you have a nice car, you know, then you don't take it out of the garage, <laughs> right. you know, it's, it's so interesting. And so I'm really having to focus. I think God is teaching me that life is good right now and being content right. in the moment and yeah. not wishing for something else in the future. Right. I mean, it's that classic like verse that I feel like is on every pillow everywhere and like every plaque in every grandma's house. But it's like, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps, which yes. is Proverbs 69. And I think about that too, because I think it's also just, it's remembering, um, and I'm learning this too, is that like, no matter what it is, if I'm, if I'm trying to like plan my way towards anything, but what like the Lord wills for me, it's, it's never really gonna like satisfy. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you you are this great example of, like, I'm sure so many young girls and young women and, and young men, like, look up to you and say, like, wow, like, she is doing her dream. Like, I want to be on a national tour. I want to go to a great, you know, BFA program, and, and I can do it. And it's interesting because now, you know, you have what so many people would, would desire, and you have what you desired. You said, like, you worked, you know, so hard to get where you are. And I think then we – sometimes we get it, and then we – look back and we're like, wow, I really thought that this was going to like fulfill every desire of my heart. And we just get to the point where like, we want something new and we want something else. And that's a good thing. Like that's a desire that I think the Lord plants in us is like, okay, 
uh, where where does the Lord want me next? And so I think that just, you know, like you said, sort of having a posture of openness of like, okay, God, like your timing is better than mine. And so take my life, you know? Yes. And when I left the show um, in the summer of 2019 as an understudy, I had no mm. idea I was coming back. I had zero idea. And so yeah. the Lord was like, you know, my plan's so much greater than you if you just take that leap of faith. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's what I'm really trying to lean into is just, you know, take the leap of faith and see where the Lord leads you. Yeah, that's so true. Take the leap of faith and see where the Lord leads you. That's really all it is. That's just what it is over and over in life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it that's really is. beautiful. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming onto our show, Allison. I thank am you for so having me. pumped um, for people to hear this interview. Are you coming to Chicago at all? Side note. Oh my goodness, I don't <laughs> think so. I think it's going to oh, be a, a little bummer. bit until they had that way. But um, yeah. I loved playing Chicago a couple years ago. It's unreal. That's so fun. Which theater were you all at? Were you at like the Chicago theater, or the CIBC, or? Oh goodness, uh, we were at the. Oh, gosh, it's changed. Is it the Nederlander? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where the Mean Girls tour was too. Yes, yeah, that makes yes, sense. yes, yes, yes. That's exactly where we fun. were. Oh, I love that. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming. I, I hope my dream, so I hope this happens, is for someone, one of our listeners to hear this interview and then to go see you in the show and then stage door and tell you that they heard you on there. Please, <laughs> please, let's That's make that happen. Yes, yes, yes. So if you go see Allison and you see her rocket as Glinda, go up to the stage door and let her know that you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> We love Absolutely. it. Well, thank you so much. Um, you're the best. And we're praying for you as you continue to tour. Thank you for your time. Queen. Thank you're you the best. so much. You are so wonderful. I love it. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Narrow Way to Broadway podcast. If you enjoyed, please subscribe and share with your friends. We release new episodes every week. If you want to keep up with what we've got going on, head over to Instagram and follow us at InwayBWay. We'll see you next time.